<laughs> he's just an awesome man of God. He's like that. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. You there, John chapter 9? Let's look at verses 1 through 12 real quick. Can we all stand for the reading of God's word? John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is day, night is coming, when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied it and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went away and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, um, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. He kept, he kept saying, I am the one. Therefore, they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who, call, who was called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to, Sal- to Salome and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now, this thing goes on. This passage goes on and the the scribes get involved and everybody gets mad because the guy got healed and a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But we're not going that far. We're going to stop right here. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let it reveal your will for our lives tonight and every night of our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that through the reading, through the understanding, hallelujah, of this word, God, that we will look more like you, act more like you, talk more like you, be more like you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Wow. Hallelujah. (laughs) now look at this what the blind man heard about Jesus produced faith in him what you hear will produce faith in you and cause you to take action how do I know that the blind man heard about Jesus well he couldn't see him You don't take rocket scientists to understand the Bible. Okay. <laughs> but he, um, he heard about Jesus and he put himself where Jesus was going to be. He heard that Jesus was doing something, that he could do something for him that had never been done before. Because there was no doctors back in that day that could say, well, you know, maybe we could do some surgery, remove some cataracts or something crazy like that, and, and you can have sight. If you was blind, you was blind, and that was it. Okay. And a lot, you know, so, but the blind man heard that Jesus was healing the blind. He's not the first blind man in the Bible that got healed. And he's not going to be the last one either. 
Hallelujah. This is the thing is, is that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when they heard, when this blind man heard, he went to where somebody could help him. He said, I heard that there was hope over here. And that's when the hope is always the basis for faith. And he went and he stood where Jesus was coming and he got healed. It's amazing to me how so many people can need so many things. And the last person they'll ever turn to is Jesus. You remember the lady with the issue of blood? I like her. You know what I like about her? She said, they said for 12 years she suffered with the same melody. And she, 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 she gave up all her money or malady. I'm sorry. Same malady. She, she had the same sickness. She, she, she spent all that she had. She went everywhere she possibly could to get healed. And when, um, and when she heard about Jesus, after she had spent all her money and done all her stuff, she still didn't give up. She risked her very life to go down and get healed of her disease. See, because faith will always cause you to do something. Faith cometh by hearing. And when you're sitting around and hearing people of faith, faith will be birthed in you. You know, when, you're, when your faith starts to waver, when you stop trusting God, you better start looking at your environment. Who are you hanging out with? You, you always need to hang out with people that got greater faith than you. Because they will produce more faith than you. If you, you, you know, if you hang around people that, that ain't got enough faith, that ain't got the kind of faith that you got, or the kind of faith that you want, or the kind of faith that you need, then you need to get around people. You know, some people avoid people of faith. They talk too much about God. They quote the Bible too much. Every time I say something, they got some scripture. They quote me. You need to hang around with people that believe God. Stop hanging around people that then gave up and, and quit and, and fallen by the wayside. You know, and inevitably you will you will become like your environment. Human beings were made to adapt. We adapt every place we go. And if you get into a faithless environment, you will end up faithless. Not so in Casey Wasilla. Some people ain't here today because they just can't take it. They so want to stay the way that they are that they won't come into an environment of faith. The Bible says iron sharpers iron. It says faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need to be sitting in a place where people will tell you the truth, regardless of what you think or regardless of the consequences. That they will sit back and tell you exactly what the Word of God says about what you're doing. Oh, snap! I know we didn't want to hear that. Hallelujah. But, <laughs> but that is the absolute God truth. Hallelujah. God bless people who can sit where underneath the Word of God and be pressured by people who are laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. To cause you to believe in something that you didn't believe in before. But it's in the Word of God. Who? Hang around people of faith. That's why I don't like people that always try to tell a pastor what to do. My question to them is what they doing? Because you know you have no idea. And only a pastor can show you how to be a pastor. Let me tell you that. Only a pastor 
can show you how to be a pastor. Because pastors have been through some stuff. They've been through some mess. And they've heard the same story 715 times. From 3,742 people. They are people that walk in faith. They have to. You don't believe the stories of, of defeat and depression and messed up stuff that they have to hear. They not only have to hear about your life, your problems and everything, but everybody, that's multiplied times, however many people are sitting in the congregation. And people know something. And when they tell you something, they're not telling you their opinion. They're telling you what they know of the Word of God and, and, and through experience of, of, of having a whole lot of people tell them everything about them. That is a... I can't even describe to you. I can just tell you this, that only a pastor can teach you how to be a pastor. Don't start knocking your pastor until you are one. And don't let nobody sit around you talking about something that they don't know nothing about. If they ain't a pastor, then they can't tell you what the pastor should be doing. What he should be preaching about. How he should be acting. Are you kidding me? That's kind of like the, the plumber telling the electrician how to put in the lights. It's a trip, but people just swallow this all up. It's like the, it's like, you know, marriage counseling. You know, I love my mother. My mother's been married four times now. Four stepdads. Well, no, no, no. One real dad and three stepdads. Okay. And my mother is a, is a wise woman. She's a woman of God now. She, ser she serves her, her Lord and Savior. And, you know, she's great. But how many people know I'm, I'm not taking marriage advice from her? Uh, I'm just not. I mean, I'll listen to her, but I'm not, I'm not following it. I'm going, oh, you always got to consider the source. The problem with us is a lot of times we don't consider the source. But evidently this blind man who couldn't see was hanging around some people who talked about somebody who could help him see. And faith was, was, was birthed in him. And how you know faith was birthed in him? Because he got up and he moved. He says, I'm going to go sit where Jesus came by. The Bible says, now Jesus passed by and saw a man who was blind. You know what? You got to be where Jesus is walking by. And you know what? Don't go down to the bar expecting Jesus to show up. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying that he won't step in the bar. I'm just saying, you know what? You, chances are no. He says, you're, you're, you're in the bar because you're running away from God. You know where he's at. And you're not going there. You're going exactly the total opposite direction. Now, you got to watch people who are moving away from God and say, you know what? I'm like, well, I come to, oh God. I'm always saying something to make somebody mad, so don't, don't take it personal. Okay, I'm just saying, I, I'm just like that. There's people sit around and say, I'm going to go to church once a week. You know, or twice a month. Or I think going to church once a month is enough. Hey, what's good for them might not be good for you. I don't know about you, but I didn't go like 
Well, I'm only going out to the club once a month, you know, because, you know, that's, that's all that is good for me. I was never like that. I was like, what night is it of the week? What, what's kind of special they going on? And I'm going to be there, you know. I even went to ladies' night. I'll just, it didn't matter, okay. That's right. Ladies' night, you stand outside the club, wait for them to come out. Okay. Hey, I wouldn't always say, but let me tell you something. But you know what I'm saying? You know, two for one night, whatever night it was, you know, I was like, whoa! You know, I went and had no questions. You know, just what night it was. You know, here we got Holy Ghost night, we got family night, we got all kind of prayer night, we got all kind of crazy stuff, and, and people want to stay home and watch television. What are you doing? When you stay home, what are you doing? Is your faith being built by staying home? You know, well, you ought to come down to church. Good, good, money. And don't hang around people that say, oh, you go to church too much. Nobody ever told me that you went out partying too much. You know, you drink too much. You know, you just do too much drugs. You know, none of my friends was telling me stuff like that. You know, how can you even come into churches and, and be with somebody that tells you you go to church too much? That's great. You, you, wait a minute, I'm not going to church for you. <laughs> I'm going to try. I, you know, I kind of figure I need to go to church. You know, as much as stuff I've done in my life, I didn't have no problem. I don't have no problem going to church. That's where I got where I am. I got where I am today by just coming to church. Because God knows I will show up. I don't care where it was. I don't care what was going. I'm out sitting home watching Gilligan's Island when I can go down to the church and get something that's going to help me for the rest of my life. This man went. Faith will move you. It will get you up. You will stop complaining about, I don't want to get up for prayer. I don't want to go down there at lunchtime. I don't want to pray. How much praying you doing? How much reading the Word you doing? I know you ain't killing yourself. But my goodness, how can you live without the Word? How can you call yourself a Christian, you know, without a prayer life? And I'm saying before you open your mouth and talk about somebody else, you know, why don't you kind of change your focus and concentrate on you? Stop looking around at other people and say, you know, so many hypocrites in church. Stop worrying about them. There's hypocrites in the bars. There's hypocrites in the schools. There are hypocrites every place you go. Stop worrying about the hypocrites in the church and worry about you not being a hypocrite. Oh! Oh! Preach, Pastor! Hallelujah! Glory to God! <laughs> Woo-wee! Praise the Lord! Now look. Now watch, this blind man's opportunity was walking right by him. He was in the right spot, but that opportunity was walking right by him. You know what, you mean, when you're in church and God is doing something, this is no time to worry about what your neighbors think, what the people over there think, what, what the person in that other pew thinks, what the people sitting way in the back think. Man, you sit where you need to sit. You get where you need to get. Don't let Jesus pass you by until you get, hallelujah, what you need. And if you come in the church and you don't need nothing, go to another church. I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, can't, I can't. I come to church. And even though I'm preaching, I come because I need something. I need something from God. I just, I mean, I would like to stick a strong God. Just, I mean, I would strap myself to Him if I could. 
and just go every place he went and just because everything I need is in him. God delivered me. You know, not my friends. God delivered me. I mean, when I was down and out, when I was doing stuff I couldn't even tell my friends about, Jesus still came and got me. If my friends would have knew what I was doing, they would have left me. I would have left myself if it was physically possible. I would. I was just, I, I couldn't stand me. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus was the only person who came and got me. I, nobody else came and got me. Nobody loved me that much. Nobody put up with me like he did. My goodness. And now I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Whoa, he's still putting up with me. Hallelujah. His chance, his miracle was passing by and he had to get a hold of it right then. Hallelujah. Now I want you to know that even though he couldn't see Jesus, Jesus saw him. Let me tell you something. God knows what you need. Even before you ask. All he's looking for you to do is take a step of faith. That blind man was in the right place at the right time in the right frame of mind. He was ready to say yes to Jesus. He was sitting there ready to receive everything that God had for him. Hallelujah. Jesus sees your faith. Let me say that again. Jesus sees your faith. That's why he told so many people, your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. See, like I told you before, I have this... uh, I have this um, innate ability to show up. When do you show up? I show up anytime the doors of the church are open. I got this ability to show up and I use it. The blind man showed up. That's why he got his healing. Jesus saw him. And Jesus saw his faith. He was there to see Jesus. He was there to get something from God. And that was faith. Faith made him get up and move his regular old begging spot to the place where Jesus was going to be. I don't know where you used to hang out. Don't hang out there no more. Hang out where Jesus is going to hang out. Where he's going to come by. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. He knows everything. He's got the keys to life. Hallelujah. And you know what I like about God? He gives you power. The tread on scorpions and snakes. He gives you power over everything that had power over you. I'll take that exchange every day. Hallelujah. I said, come on, make me stronger so I can go back and get my cousins. Make me stronger so I can go back and get my my little sister and and, and my big sister and and, and my mother. I said, Jesus, make me stronger, so strong that I can go back and get my cousins and get them out of darkness and bring them into your marvelous light. I'll tell you what, you know, my my, my family went from being creasters and bad creasters at that. I'm telling you, to, to loving God. They, I'm, I'm calling them on the weekends that you go to church. To, yeah, we. I went to church, bro. You know, the, the word of God. Me and, me and my big sister having conversations. Not about how powerful black people are. Right on, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I know y'all don't get, some of y'all don't get that. But you, a lot of us, the other y'all will. It's an ethnic thing, you know. And then, talking about, you know, we, we got a black president, you know, and all that kind of crazy stuff. I don't care what color the president is. I, we need our presidents to be godly men. And if they don't know God, I don't care what color it is. I don't want to know them. And stuff. But I pray for that man every morning, every time there's a prayer meeting. I'll be praying for President Obama to get saved. Because he only needs what I needed. And if he gets Jesus, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
That's the way I feel about it. You know, that's the way I'm going to keep on feeling about it. I don't care who's president, no matter who they are, I'm going to keep praying for them. Amen. But I, I, I'm just telling you that my whole family now is serving God. And they, they hear from their brother. And they, they, they come to visit me, man. My, my family, they sent, they sent my, my, I remember my, my, my youngest sister. She sent her three kids to live with me for the summer. And go figure that. Maybe it has something to do with the fact I lived in Hawaii. I don't know. But, <laughs> but she, sent, she sent her kids here for the summer. When my kids went back, when my nieces and nephews went back after the summer, my, my oldest niece became the youngest deacon in our Presbyterian church in a history. She was so on fire for God. Her and her two brothers started started praising and worshiping God, acting crazy in the Presbyterian church, jumping around, went there and sparked a revival. The youth group took off. Everything was flying. They was like, what did you do to my kids? I said, send them crazy things to me. Hallelujah. Let's see what God can do. Now, now watch this. They, these people went on. Who sinned? <laughs> Don't you know when, when everything goes wrong, people like to start pointing fingers at everybody else. Uh, I was raised in a dysfunctional family. Well, showing the whole stinking world. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Who in the world here wasn't born in a dysfunction? There's something's wrong with mama, something's wrong with daddy, something's wrong with my sisters. Man, now come on. You all special because you were born in a dysfunctional family. <laughs> My goodness, I'm from the hood and misunderstood. Well, you ain't the only misunderstood person in the world. That's so I tell people in my congregation, look, stay off the Oprah show. Don't go nowhere near Montel. Hallelujah. You know, you know, that's just crazy to be, you know, 55-year-old blaming something that happened to you when you was 10. You know, that thing happened 45 years ago. Let it go! See, you know what the truth of the matter is? Is we can be what our environment has made us or we can choose to be what God has called us. <laughs> See, God wants you to overcome your environment. He wants you to overcome your childhood. He wants you to overcome the events of your life through faith in Him. The Bible says, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't because, you know, I'm too skinny. I can't because I'm too fat. No, you can do all things through Christ, through Christ, through Christ. See, if man, if you know Jesus, man, he'll take the I can't right out of your life. And there'll be nothing, nothing impossible for you. Ooh, hallelujah. Hanging around the I can't people will make you an I can't person. And it will destroy your faith. And Christ, stay away from I can't people. Hallelujah. Get around some I can people. Oh, yes, you can. Hallelujah. We're two or three. Hallelujah. Stand in agreement. It's touching anything. It shall be done for me. Get in somebody. Hallelujah. With an I can't spirit. Good 
it's too late for you. you. You'll never be a doctor. I don't care if you, you, you 89 years old. You want to be a doctor? Hallelujah. Get in agreement with somebody. Hallelujah. Grab hold. I'm going to college. Hallelujah. I know I'll be 104 when I graduate. Hallelujah. But it's possible. You know, I don't know if Pastor Daniel, I told you all about Pastor Arkansas. 106 years old when he died. You know, Pastor Steve was telling me when he was 89 years old, he went to the Philippines mission trip. You know, at the end of the bus ride, they had to wake him up. You know, <laughs> you, you ride all night on a plane, all day on a bus, and they said, uh, uh, Pastor Arkantar, let's pray. Hallelujah. Get everybody here. Everybody's tired, worn out. He's like, let's pray. Hallelujah. Get everybody over here. Ah, and starts praying to God. Hallelujah. 89 years old. Hallelujah. He was, man, almost to the day he died, he was preaching the gospel. Praise God for 106 years old. Hallelujah. In verse 3 it says, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sins, but that the works of God could be revealed, that God might be made manifest. Wow. You know what? God is greater than your environment. He's greater than your circumstance. He's greater than your situation. He's greater than your problem. He's greater than your mountain. Hallelujah. And he's greater than your mama. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's God. Hallelujah. <laughs> he just is. Okay. <laughs> that he was born in the crisis or in the dilemma so that when the time was right, God could use his dilemma, use his crisis to show that he was greater than any dilemma that you could face. Man's calamity is God's opportunity to express his divine sovereign power over human obstacles and affairs. God will get in your impossibility just so he can prove to everybody else and around you that there is a God. I know nobody else had ever done it before. I know nobody else had got cured of that before. I know nobody else who was ever pronounced with that or, or, or spent that much time in jail or, you know, or, or had that low IQ ever did what God has put on your heart for you to do. But with God, all things are possible. You know, I, I barely made more to see than any, any time I was, I was in high school, at least my grade parent point average. You know, I made mean, the A in gym. Okay. It was, you know, okay. Not that hard to do, you know. But you know, when I when I got saved, I went back to school. And in school, I didn't make anything but A's. When I went to college, I didn't make anything but A's. Now I only was in college two semesters. But God kept blessing me with jobs. I, I had to quit. Going to school because I get, kept getting jobs I wasn't qualified for. I told you guys about the, the one about the accounting job. I had three semester credit hours of accounting. And, and they gave me an accounting job at a hotel being a night on it. And I'm going, wow, four years experience, four years uh, college plus two years experience. That was the minimum requirement. Then I got a job as a librarian in the state prison. And I went down there and it was like, the identical interview that I went to for, for night audit. I was sitting in the, in the lady's office. This is a true story. 
I'm sitting in the lady's office. The only reason I went is because I knew somebody who worked for the, for the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. Now, anybody look at me and say, I ain't Hawaiian. Okay. But I used to live with this lady who used to run that department on the island of Kauai. And she said, for years we've been trying to fill a position at the jail. And no Hawaiians will take it because they can to everybody. So then nobody, I can't get anybody to fulfill the position. She said, so you can go down and apply. So I did. And um, I spilled out the application. I got a job interview. And I said, wow, that's weird. Because you have to have a four-year degree in librarian in two years experience to get the job. I'm not joking. I went down there. This is no joke. I looked this lady right in the face. You know, I was like, you know, I only came down, you know, fulfill the the requirements of unemployment. I didn't even want the job. <laughs> you know, I just said, I don't even own a library card. <laughs> That's a true story. I looked this lady right in the face and said, I don't even own a library card. I know nothing of the Dewey Decimal System. Not a thing. And she said, excuse me. This is no joke. I'm quoting this lady. Excuse me. Turned around and looked at the secretary and said, can you get me the... The, the tax forms and the medical forms that he'll need to fill out. He turned around and looked at me. Exactly the same thing the, world, the person told me for the night out of job. And said, you were saved? <laughs> and for the next five years, I'd be working at the state prison. I had so much favor in the state prison that I, I went to every prison in the state of Hawaii to fill in for other librarians because, you know, Kauai's small. They go, he ain't doing nothing anyway. So they put me on a plane and sent me to the other islands to fill in. I've been to Maui. Now, I told this story different when I told it in, in the cathedral. And Dr. Morocco was sitting on the front desk. I said, I've been to every prison in the state. I've been to MCC, MCCC, KCCC, Halava, and all these different places. And you should have seen Dr. Morocco's face. I mean, he was like turning red. I went, no, no, no. I was a librarian. And everybody started laughing. It was like... <laughs> That's the first time that... That was only the, the third time I had preached in the cathedral. It was the only time that Dr. Morocco ever laughed at anything I said. <laughs> that man is impulsive. But let me tell you something. When you know God, man, and you grow up in the middle of the ghetto... You know, I'm talking about in the middle together. I'm talking about when they shot Martin Luther King. I went into the room. I was only like about five years old, six years old. I walk into the room. My mother's laying on the bed crying. I don't even know who Martin Luther King is. And I said, Mama, I said, what's wrong? She said, they shot Martin Luther King. Over the next couple of days, there would be tanks rolling down my street. And, and people rioting and throwing stuff. And I had no idea or no clue what was going on. I know this, that I had a, I, I spent six years in the Navy. I got a job as an electronic technician working over in Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, right outside of D.C. I worked there for a year. They transferred me to Hawaii. Okay. And six months after I got to Hawaii, which was six months after I got married, six months after I got to Hawaii, I got saved. Now look, I went from tanks rolling down the street, living in a stone cold ghetto. Hallelujah, you know, ain't hardly never seen a tree in my life. No, that's not true, but 
<laughs> but uh, you know what I'm saying. You know, I just wasn't in that kind of thing. And I ended up on a tropical island. I was standing at a lookout one night looking at the stars. And this is, you know, I was a stargazer. I was kind of like, you know, really, I, I really kind of like the stars. And, and I was standing there one night looking at the stars. And I heard this voice speak to me. And this voice said, this didn't happen by mistake. Now, you got to remember, I'm working for NASA, okay, at the time. Okay. So I'm standing there, and I'm going, yeah. All this peace flooded in me. I went, yeah, this didn't happen by mistake. And about three and a half seconds after that, I went, whoa. Whoa. And I ran, and I jumped in the car. <laughs> I was scared to death. And then two weeks later, on Palm Sunday, 1986, I walked into a back of a little church. Because my wife was taking too long. I came out of the bar. I had me one beer. If I didn't have that beer, I would have never stepped into a church. Don't you turn that into something like God. God I told y'all to drink. Okay, don't even do that, okay? No, people crazy, all right? <laughs> okay. I wasn't even saying. I walked into the back of that church, man, because I had a beer. Otherwise, I would have never stopped, stumped a foot on God's property. No way. I walked in the back of that place, that same voice I heard at that lookout started talking to me. And I went, okay, look, this is the deal we're going to make. I, I'm going to give you 100%. I don't even know why I'm saying this stuff. I'm, I'm going to give you 100%. And if it don't work out, don't you bother me no more, and I won't bother you no more. And I got like something like a Holy Ghost. I didn't know what that was. I had no language, you know, no Christian language whatsoever. It was like, though, I got a Holy Ghost high five. Somebody said, deep. And I went, boom. And... I ran. I went back out to the car. I don't know where my wife was. Never saw her. Never heard what the preacher said, man. But when I got that high five, I hightailed it. I went back out to the car. And from that day forth, I was saved. It was three days later. I was sitting around and my wife said, something's wrong with you. You ain't said nothing in three days. Now, anybody know me? No, I ain't quiet. Okay. <laughs> she said, you ain't said nothing in three days. And I just went like, I just started talking to her. I said, you know what? I was in the back of that church and I heard this voice. At that right there, when I said I heard this voice, my wife jumped up out of the chair. She just went, ah, started running around the room saying, Baby, you got saved. Baby, you got saved. Baby, you got saved. I go, What in the world is, is saved? And then I was, that's where my walk with God started. Hallelujah. See, man, God will take you some places where you ain't supposed to be. I ain't supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be in Hawaii for no 25 years. I ain't supposed to be in Alaska. But I was in the right place. Hey. No, okay. But praise God. Best thing I ever did was step up on God's property and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, your faith in God should not be limited to what you've seen before are limited by yours or somebody else's experience. God can do a new thing in you according to your faith, be it unto you, the Bible says. Good Lord. You know, Pastor Daniel got faith. And he's a mighty man of God. And, and that's why I hang around him. And you know, iron sharpens iron. I mean, we, we've had some discussions, some conversations, and some, some heavier discussions. It's, uh, my, my best times is when Pastor Daniel be fighting with my wife. That's some scary stuff when the pastor of the church fight with your wife. 
That's some messed up stuff right there. Because everybody's looking for you to be on their side. <laughs> you know, and my wife only about, you know, she's like 5'11". She says she's 5'20", you know, but she only, well, she says she's 5 feet. She's only 4'11", maybe, maybe 4'10 and a half. I'm five feet. Little Little feisty thing. She ain't here. That's why I can talk like that. And her and Pastor Daniel sitting across the table. Pastor Daniel was like, bam, you're going to. And she said, well, I can hit the table too, man. I'm going to. And then my wife was at me, you're going to let him talk to me like that. I go, oh, Jesus. Start speaking in tongues. Hey, hey. Whoa. Now them two the best of friends. He talked to her more than he talks to me. And they sit around laughing, joking. They just like the best buddies, man. But there were some times. Hallelujah. When stuff is tough. But you know what? Faith wouldn't let us stop. You know, faith kept us moving on. And 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 faith didn't let us shoot ourselves in the foot and quit when we should have been running. We kept on running. We got stronger. I tell you what, you know, it's, it's when you reconcile to somebody that, when you've been through something to somebody and you reconcile to them, that makes a relationship tough. Don't hang around nobody you ain't been, nothing, been through nothing with because you don't know how they're going to react when stuff gets bad. Hallelujah. There's a friend that's sticking closer than a, good, than a brother. You know, a brother was built for adversity. When stuff is bad, that's when you really find out who your friends are. Yeah. And stop hanging around people that just tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> Stop hanging around people that tell you what you want to hear. You better have some Jonas and some Judases in your life. You better have somebody that'll slap you upside your head. Them people that get along with you all great ain't your best friends. Oh, oh, we just do everything together and we just and no nobody telling you nothing about God. So you gotta straighten that stuff out. Go hanging around your single buddies to tell you you ain't got to put up that, that stuff from your wife. <laughs> Look, I know what I'm talking about. I was in the Navy for six years. And some of you ladies got some girlfriends that y'all shouldn't have. Cut them out. That cut, cut them. No can keep a husband. Take care of their kid people out of your life. You take care of your kids and you keep your husband. And you husbands, you keep your wife. Hallelujah. You somebody who will love your kids for real. Shoot. We used to sing this song. It's cheaper to keep her. Yeah. <laughs> but if you read in Malachi, Malachi says, man, you didn't honor the wife of your youth and you didn't take care of her. Didn't you pray to me and you, you want me to respond to you? I don't think so. You read Malachi chapter 2. Ooh. You read all of Malachi. Malachi is a tough book, man. It, it tells it like it is. Tell it like it is. Uh-huh. Some of y'all been in bars because that's an old bar song. <laughs> trying to get around people who, who, who do stuff for God by committee. Oh, if so-and-so and so-and-so is coming, and so-and-so and so-and-so is going to be there, then I'm going to come. You know, well, what do y'all think? 
Should we go to church on Sunday night? And like, stop being around people. Hallelujah. You do church by committee. This is something between you and God. God wants to take you someplace where He never took anybody else before. Good Lord. He's got a special relationship with you. Man, let God be your friend. Does the board have to meet in order for you to be comfortable doing what God has told you to do? Do you got to go tell people, oh, oh, you know, I feel that God is telling me to um, work in the nursery. You think I ought to do it? Just skip that mess. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If God has you work in a nursery, it's the best place for you. I want to be where God wants me to be because that's where I'm going to receive what God wants me to have. Hallelujah. Jesus spits and makes mud, then rubs it, the mud in the guy's eye, and then tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I got to close this thing up. He sent them to get healed in a place that they didn't approve of. <laughs> now, if you in the, if you in KC, if you in King's Chapel, you in a place that a whole lot of people don't approve of. I, I know, man. They say they say all men are evil stuff about us in this church. We some kind of crazy faith, Bible believing, you know. We take some offerings. I got to give them that. Hallelujah. Offering ticket. You know. <laughs> but we are kind of crazy. You know how many people come to our church and from other churches and tell us what they think about us? It's crazy. But you know what? Here's where God wants you. When you walked in the door, it was God that spoke to you, not Pastor Daniel. Okay. And then you sit here and then you get all rubbed the wrong way. And think that this ain't where God called you to be, and you go looking for someplace else. Where you ain't going to find God down the street. The only place you're going to find God is where he told you to go. If you would have stayed where you were, you would have died the way you were. But God had to send you to somewhere else for you to get your miracle. Hallelujah. Whoa. You ready for your miracle, church? You ready to get what God has for you? Hallelujah. You know what? It takes a lot of maturity to be strong enough to hear what everybody else is saying and still maintain your focus. It, it, it takes a lot of maturity to, to, to listen to disgruntled, unhappy people telling you what you should be doing. It takes a lot of maturity to do that and stand and say, well, you know what? I feel that God is telling me to do this. I'm going to do it. You know, that takes growth. That takes maturity. It takes maturity to say, man, I want to run just like you, but I can't. Whoa. Say, man, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a crazy, wild, terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And until God tells me to go someplace else, I'm going to go where he told me to go. I don't care what nobody else says. I, I'll tell you what, if, if I'm in church, it's a Wednesday night, Benny Hinn comes to town. I don't care if I, I you know, I got a missing leg and one half of my face. If Pastor Daniel is speaking, I'm going to be where he is speaking. If he ain't going to Benny Hinn, I ain't going either. I'm going to stay right with him. Why do I say that? Because I know that my blessing is where God called me to be. God knows where I'm at. God sees me. And if he sent me here, this is where I'm going to be blessed at. Hallelujah. Whoa. That'll change. That'll change somebody. That'll mess with somebody's life. That'll tear some of your friends up. They said, let's go 
church hop over here because so-and-so is over here. You ain't getting nothing. You better be where God told you to be. If God is speaking to you, you need to learn to maintain your focus on Him. Because that's where, ask Peter, man. Peter was fine until the wind and the waves got his eyes off of Jesus. See, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, we start to sink. You better be in a place that keeps you constantly looking at Jesus. Keeps you constantly in the Word. You know, the Word became flesh and Jesus is the Word of God. Hallelujah. It keeps you constantly praying and seeking His face. The more stuff that people do in a place that gets you to focus in on Jesus, that's the place where you need to be. Whoa. Whoa. Hallelujah. This is the last thing. Don't take a look at your past and decide what your future is going to be like. You know, I heard, I heard this preacher say this one time when he when 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 God recounted God's encounter with Adam and Eve. And when when God came into the garden and, and Adam didn't come running up but he said, Adam, where are you? He says, I am right here. Um he says, well, What are you doing? I, I'm hiding. Why? Because you're naked. Because I'm naked. And God said, Who told you you was naked? Point in and matter being this just because you did something wrong in your past just because you made a mistake you know just because you stole something who told you you was a thief you didn't learn that mess from God God didn't call you a thief you're just a person that made a mistake if you get right who told you you was a drug addict that's one thing I can't stand about NA and AA you got to sit there and confess that you're a drug addict or alcoholic for the rest of your life. God didn't say that about you. God says, you know what? You're a new creature in Christ. You ain't no drug addict. You know, you, I'm gay. Who told you you was gay? Just because you did something that would be considered gay does not make you gay. It's just a, another sin that you did, another mistake that you made. And I said, who told you that? I'm not telling you that. I'm saying you can be whole, you can be, whole, you can be delivered, you can be saved, you can fulfill your purpose forever being born in life. All you have to do is turn to me and I'll wipe that stuff out of your life. Whoa. Whatever you're telling yourself, who told you you was that? You better start listening to who God tells you you are. Whoa. And if people around you are beating, well, you know, you just a low-down, dirty, drug, drug dealing, drug taking, you know, good for nothing, fornicating, fornicating, and all. Stop hanging around them people. Hang around people like Pastor Daniel will tell you, get up, you mighty man of valor. Hallelujah. You are a faithful servant of God, most high. You are a man of God. Start acting like it. Whoa! You are a woman of God. Start acting like it. Hallelujah. God sees you as a finished product. Not where you at now. Who told you you was naked? It didn't come from God. I've never seen God do that. God walked up to Gideon and said, he didn't say, you know, you, you, you stinking coward. He said, you mighty man of God. Who, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, you start hearing something enough, you just might start believing it. 
Praise God. Faith cometh by hearing. Oh, snap. Whoa. Whoa. You know, God can turn your life completely around and give you the miracle you've been waiting for. You just have to have faith in Him. Hallelujah. How many people here are going to believe God for some things? Hallelujah. You know, that's why I started off saying I'm not supposed to be here. You know, my sister wrote me a letter after she came to visit me on Kauai some, a number of years ago, the first time she came to see me on Kauai. And, and she wrote me a, a letter and she said this. She said, my vision for you, she said, this is, my, this is what I thought you would be doing with your life, standing on the corner with some kind of liquor or alcohol in some plastic bag, toothless, standing around talking to your friends because that was the path that you was on but she said I'm so proud of you that you've made a life for yourself and you are actually what, you know what she was saying she was saying your life is not messed up she said you haven't destroyed the people around you you know you actually doing good you got friends and you got people around you that like you you're in church serving God she goes wow I am so proud of you and I went wow I was that bad that even my, my, my little sister thought I was Jack, I was just, oh, I know I was bad, but I didn't think I was that bad. But the thing is, is that, is I got a picture there, that God changed my destiny. Hallelujah. He wants to change yours. And where you at today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. God is going to keep on growing you. He's going to keep on molding you, shape you. Don't be moaned where you at. You're in the right place. This is the right time. You just need to be in the right frame of mind to move on. You say, God, man, if, if God will show you your future, if you will ask Him, you might not believe Him, but He'll show it to you. He'll, he'll direct you. He'll say, man, I, I see you doing this. You'll be like, you'll get scared when God starts showing you what He wants you to do. You'll be like, whoa, hey, you know, I don't know about, no, that ain't me, Jesus. Oh, whatever, whatever, you know. <laughs> It'll freak you out what God wants you to do. It'll, God wants you to be a world changer. He wants to, man, He wants to affect change in people's lives through you. He wants to use you to destroy all the works of the evil one. Wherever he, you, know, you know what God is? God is saying, like, man, I, I want you to be the kind of person I can parachute into anywhere, anytime, any day, and you would totally transform that place. You are my child. I love you. I care about you. I got great and mighty things in store for you. Hallelujah. God wants to use you. Hallelujah. Let him do it. Say, Lord, hallelujah. If you can use anything, you can use me. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you've been. It's more important where you're going. Now you ain't perfect. You ain't made it. In the day you do, will be the day that you fall. God uses imperfect people. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He says, you got problems, but we're going to keep on working on them. You got to keep on moving forward. God will always work on your strengths, not on your weaknesses. Because if he works on your strengths, he will make you stronger than your weaknesses. He will build you up in your most holy faith and your faith will overcome every weakness in your life. And you'll go, Noah, 
I don't need to drink no more. I don't need that anymore. I got something better. No, I don't, I don't need to cuss no more. I'll never again lift up my voice and defend myself. I got somebody, hallelujah, in my life that's a lot better at defending me than me is. Hallelujah. I don't have to say nothing. As a matter of fact, he told me to pray for you if you messed with me. Because, man, you, I wouldn't mess with him. So I'm going to pray for you. Because he said, I'll bless those that bless me. And I'll curse those that curse me. So if you mess with me, then you got to deal with him. I wouldn't do it. Let me pray for you. <laughs> See, that's the right attitude. Hallelujah. You know what? I want to minister to people today. And you know, I, I like to take my time and minister. It takes me a long time, but first we got to take a love offering. Okay. Now we're going to take a love offering in, in just a moment, but even before we do that, you know what? All, you know, all joking, all kidding aside, you know, until you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life is going nowhere fast. It's time to get off the merry-go-round. It's time to get off the cycle. Why does these same things keep happening to me? Because you keep doing the same thing. And stuff. But you know what? Jesus wants to change your life. And if you'll let him in, he will change you. And it'll be for the better. You'll be so happy. You'll be so, so fulfilled. So much better off. If you'll just receive Jesus. So if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus for the first, for, if you've never received Jesus at all, I, I want to pray for you. And maybe some of you have received Jesus, but since then you've fallen away. I want to remind you of the story of the prodigal son. When after prodigal living, the son came to his right mind and said, I'm going home. I'm going back to my father's house. And when the father saw him, he ran to him, gave him his robe and his ring and his sandals. He said, come on back home. I want to restore your authority. Hallelujah. You don't worry about how you used to look. You look just like me now. You got my stuff on. Come on home, son. Walk him into the house, do a party for him. I want you to know that if you rededicate your life to Christ this, this evening, that he will throw a party for you. So if you're here today and you, and you want to receive Jesus for the first time or you want to rededicate your life to him, simply raise your hand right now, right where you are, and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Anybody in here want to receive Jesus? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to take a love offering right now. Hallelujah. So if you need an envelope, raise your hands. Our anointed ushers will bring you an envelope. If you're making out a check, make it payable to KC. We do have to pay for the expenses of bringing me in. But look, you know what? When, when I got to church... When I came to church, nobody had to ask me for a tie. Nobody had to ask me for an offering. I, I didn't have any problems. Because I spent most of my, my life, most of my time, giving everything to, to Satan that I had. I never, I, I'd go to bars, man, and spend my whole paycheck. And never once complained about how sick I was in the morning or how stupid I was for doing that. I never once blamed the bartender or the devil. No problem giving my money back then for something that was killing me. Something that was destroying my life. Something that was making me the, the ugly on the inside. So when, when God asks for me to give, he, and he never asks you for something you don't have. 
He always asks what you do have to put it in his hands. And he'll always turn it back to you and bless it. Bless it back to you. So don't be afraid to give to God. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord. This, Lord, being the most generous house, Father, in, in, in all of KC, Father, for extensions. This is a church that knows how to give, Father. And I pray that as they do, Lord, that you will bless their socks off. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead. dismiss service, but I, I promise you, I'll be here to one o'clock in the morning, if need be. Hallelujah. But I promised Pastor Daniel, I'd close. Man, good Lord. Woo! I'm late. You know, y'all don't blame me, because the sun don't go down. I mean, if it was if it was in Hawaii, it'd be black out there. You know what I'm saying? It's not my fault. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank you, Lord, that all those that came tonight, Lord, and gave them their time, Lord, and their, and their substance, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. I pray, Lord, over this church, Lord, that this is a church that will not limit the God of Israel in their lives, God. That they won't talk back to God when he says, mighty man, mighty woman of God. Hallelujah. That we will be open, Lord, always, Lord. To your hands be upon our lives, God, to shape us and to mold us. May we be clay. Hallelujah. In the potter's hands, Lord. Do what us as you see fit, God. Hallelujah, Father. I pray, Lord, I come against and I bind all sorts of hopelessness. And I now I can't spirit. And I speak faith now. Faith to believe you, Lord. Faith to trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. Say, be it unto me. Hallelujah. If you have said, God, kind of faith, Lord. Hallelujah. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Move the way you want to move in my life, God. Kind of faith. If you can use anything, Lord. Use me, kind of faith, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Whoa. I'll be what you call me, Lord. I'll go where you tell me to go. Hallelujah. I'll say what you tell me to say. I'll behave like you want me to behave, Lord. I speak that word now, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Over KC Wasilla, Lord. Here in Alaska, Father. May they be all that you called them to be. Do all that you called them to do. Go everywhere that you tell them to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. If you need prayer for any reason, I want you to make your way out your seats. I want you to come stand on these altars. Hallelujah. I want to pray and minister for as many people as I possibly can.